Well, good morning. Do you remember the, uh, this prayer? And I think we, we all have prayed it uh, with our children. In fact, every Sunday after church, we get together as a family. We have small children, so we pray this prayer. Do you, do you know the prayer? It says, God is great. Do you all know that prayer? Sure you do. Let's say it together. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Y'all did great. That was, that was awesome. How about this prayer? You probably, you probably recognize this prayer also. Say it with me. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. You see, even as a child, that prayer takes our minds to this world and takes us to another world, a mysterious world. For believers in Jesus Christ, that world is called heaven. Now, despite all of our medical advances we've had in the last 20, 30, 40 years, the death rate is still the same as it was a thousand years ago, and that's 100%. Let me share some statistics with you. Worldwide, three people die every second. That's 180 people every minute. That's more than 11,000 people every hour. And based on biblical truth of what happens to us when a person dies, that means over 250,000 people worldwide every single day either go to heaven or they go to hell. That's a sobering thought. But here's the good news. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that Death holds no sting. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55, it says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Now, what you think about the future, what you think about your eternal destination should determine on how you live your life today. So the first question I ask you is, does heaven even exist? Is there such a place? Well, the Bible mentions heaven more than 600 times. Jesus Christ mentions heaven more than 70 times in the book of Matthew alone. It's in the very first verse of the Bible where it says, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. To the very last reference in Revelation where he says, He showed me the great city descending out of heaven from God. 54 of the 66 books of the Bible mention heaven. This is key. The Bible is the only authoritative source of information about heaven. That's it. Now, when we think of heaven, where do we get the mental picture from? Hollywood. Hollywood, movies, we picture disembodied spirits floating around from cloud to cloud playing a harp. Or you may have the mental image of Clarence in It's a Wonderful Life trying to earn his wings. There's no buildings, there's no houses, there's no furniture in heaven based on what Hollywood has to say. There's also no color in heaven because everything is one color and that color is white. There's no fashion in heaven. You wear these loose-fitting robes, there's no scarves, there's no belts, there's no vests, there's no pants, 
There's no earrings, there's no watches, there's no rings. And there must be some mega fog machine because there's always about a foot and a half of fog. Yeah. I've never seen anyone's feet when they depict heaven. Well, that's Hollywood. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says it's a place. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3, it says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I am going to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Now Jesus spoke these words in the upper room the night before his death. He told his disciples that he's, the next day that he was going to be crucified on a cross, that he was going to be buried, and he's going to be resurrected and returned back to heaven. Well, the disciples, they were, they were confused, and they were, they were filled with sorrow. So Jesus says, don't be troubled, don't worry, because I am going to prepare a place for you. And those few scriptures, place is mentioned twice. It's a location. It's where we get the Greek word, or we get the, word, the Greek word topos, where we get the word topography. It's not some condition, it's not some state of mind, it's not some wishful sentiment. In fact, when Jesus taught us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, he didn't say, our Father who art in some state of mind or condition. He said, our Father who art in heaven. It's a real place. Have you ever wondered what heaven would look like? Well, George Washington Vanderbilt III, he set out to build the most grandest home in all of America. He purchased a large parcel of land, including a 100,000 acre Pisgah Forest. He commissioned two of the most distinguished architects in the entire world. They designed four stories with a 750-foot facade. They had over a thousand workers every single day. They imported marble from Italy and they made over 32,000 bricks on site every day. Christmas Eve, 1895, seven years later, Vanderbilt unveiled his prize, built more estates. If you've ever been there, it's absolutely gorgeous. It boasts four acres of floor space, 250 rooms, 34 master bedrooms, 43 bathrooms, three kitchens, 65 fireplaces, an indoor swimming pool, a bowling alley, and a gymnasium. Well, despite its grandeur, even the Biltmore Estates pales in comparison of what Jesus Christ has in store for us in heaven. R.G. Lee said this, Heaven is the most beautiful place the mind of God can conceive and the hand of God can create. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those that love him. 
Where is heaven? If I walk up to the kids' worship room and, and I'm talking to those hundred kids and I say, where is heaven? Every single one of them is going to do this. I know right now you're thinking, wow, Scott, that is really deep. <laughs> heaven is up. But where did I get that from? We get it from the Bible. Psalm 123, it says, Lord, I look up to you. Up to heaven where you rule. Mark chapter 6 verse 41 says, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish and looked up toward heaven. And he asked God's blessing on the food. You see, even Jesus Christ looked up to heaven when he prayed. Heaven is up. But which way is up? If the United States and China both shot a rocket up because they're on opposite sides of the earth, it, they would go in opposite directions, right? So where is up? What is up? Up means higher. Higher than anything that you can experience here on earth. Up means beyond. Beyond anything we can ever imagine here on earth. Who amongst you wouldn't want to live above the, the pain and the sorrow of this earth? The trials, the tribulations, the heartaches, the headaches of this earth. Well, there's going to be a time. And that place is called heaven. Can you imagine a baseball pitcher pitching a perfect game every single time he throws the ball? A golfer, every time he strikes a golf ball, hole in one. If you're a nature lover, the perfect sunset, the perfect waterfall, every single relationship, every single relationship is going to be absolutely perfect. Heaven. Heaven is up. The question is, what kind of place will it be? What can we look forward to? Well, Psalm 1611 says this, you've made known to me the path of light. You fill me with joy. In your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I want you to circle joy and I want you to circle eternal pleasures because heaven is a place of eternal joy, eternal pleasure. I want you to imagine the greatest moment in your life. It may be sitting on the back deck of a beach house watching the sunrise sunset it may be sitting in a a boat on a pond fishing listening to nature it may be getting your family together going on a picnic and you think to yourself wow it doesn't get any better than this <laughs> it does it does it does get better than this in fact, you don't need to do this today, but at some point, I want you to, to get a little index card, and I want you to, to write on it, it does get better than this. And then when you hit a, a tough time, pull out that card and read it to yourself, it does get better than this. You might be on your way home, and, and you hit malfunction junction, lines of cars sitting still, pull out that card. It does get better than this. It'll put a smile on your face. 
And then when people come beside you and see you and they see you're smiling, they'll think you're crazy, but that's okay. You may be at Walmart buying one thing, and there's a hundred people in line with only two registers open. Pull out your card. It does get better than this. If you're paying your bills, pull out your card. It does get better than this. You go to the doctor and you're not prepared to hear the news that he gives you. Pull out that card. It does get better than this. You see, there's moments in your life that you need to be reminded that it does get better than this. You know, we talk about heaven, there's a lot of questions that come up. Probably the most frequently asked question is this, will I know my loved ones in heaven? Well, according to scripture, the answer is absolutely. In Mark chapter 9, verse 1 through 5, we're at the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John, they immediately recognized Elijah and Moses, even though their lives were a thousand years apart. In Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 31, it's the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man could remember, he could reason, he could talk, he even felt concern. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, Paul, writing to other believers in Thessalonica, he says this, for what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we'll glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. I love the message. It says, do you have any idea how very homesick we've become for you, dear friends? Even though it hadn't been that long, and it was only our bodies that were separated from you, not our hearts. We tried our very best to get back to see you. You can't imagine how much we've missed you. I, Paul, tried over and over to get back. But Satan stymied us each time. Who do you think we're going to be proud of when our master Jesus appears? If it's not you. You are our pride and joy. You see, even Paul expected to see and recognize those he led to Christ and discipled. You know, one of, the, one of the few things about getting old is this. You realize that you have more friends in heaven than you do on earth. That's something to look forward to. Another question, or actually the second top question is, believe it or not, will I have my pet with me in heaven? Every year this will come up in school if you talk about heaven. This Bible teacher tells this class, a group of kids, he says, well, you know that your pet doesn't have a soul, and so they're not saved the way we are, so therefore Fido, your little puppy, will not be in heaven with you. And we told this this Bible class, all the little kids, <laughs> little, little lips starts quivering and started crying. I learned a long time ago just to say, yes, next question. <laughs> but that's a legitimate question. Will your pet be with you in heaven? Let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible teacher's right. Pets don't have souls, so they're not saved the way that we get saved. 
One real animal ever said this, my pet doesn't need saving. My pet's perfect. That's one way of looking at it. But the Bible says clearly that there will be animals in heaven. In fact, there's 91 references to animals in heaven in the Bible. Now, although the Bible doesn't say expressively that, that the pet that you had that's died will somehow be recreated and be with you in heaven, the Bible does say this. The Bible says there's no, going to be no pain and there's going to be no sorrow in heaven. So if you're sitting there in heaven and you think to yourself, I could have true joy if I had my pet with me in heaven. You don't think God could provide your little pet for you in an instant? No pain, no sorrow in heaven. Another question that I hear a lot is, what will I look like in heaven? Well, I hope a whole lot better than I do now, don't you? Well, the Bible does answer this. It says that heaven is a material place. So we will receive a material body. We just don't float around. Now, the idea that people become angels when they die, that's just not true. There's going to be angels in heaven, and there's going to be people in heaven, but they're not going to be the same. You see, when we die, we're going to receive a new material body, a perfect body, a glorified body. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 49. And just as we have been born the image of earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Well, that earthly man is Adam. And we currently, in the body that we have today, bear the image of Adam. But there will be a day when we, in our resurrected forms, that we will bear the image of our resurrected Christ in heaven. Now, what does that resurrected Christ look like? Well, he appear, appeared more than a dozen times to more than 500 people after he was resurrected. Luke chapter 24, verse 39 through 43, it says this, Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Now this tells us that we're not going to be some ghost-like image just floating around forever. We will have a material body. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and took it and ate it in their presence. Can you imagine being in heaven and eating whatever you want to eat and never having to worry about gaining a pound? That's heaven. Now what does our perfect, our material, our glorified body look like? I don't know. The Bible really never says. But I know this. It's going to be perfect in some way. Probably the most serious question that I get asked is, what about, what about babies who die? What about young children who die? What about someone with a learning difference? 
when they die, what happens to them? Will they go to heaven? The answer is yes, they do. And you say, based on what? Based on the character of God, and the character of God is grace. Psalm 86, 15 says, But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Psalm 145, 9, The Lord is good to all, and he has compassion on all that he has made. Throughout the Bible, God never holds someone accountable for something they don't know or they don't understand. So that a baby or child who dies, who never has the opportunity to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ, God's not going to hold them accountable for that. When they die, they go straight to heaven. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, it's a great example, where David, he's praying for his, his baby son, and his baby son eventually dies. And he tells the people around him, I will see him. He planned on seeing his baby son in heaven one day. So when babies die, young children die, people with learning difference may understand, go straight to heaven based on the character of grace. Now we know that there's going to be some, some exceptions in heaven. We know that some things will not be allowed in heaven. There'll be nothing to mar the joy of heaven. There'll be no remodeling. There'll be no recalls. There'll be no repentance. There'll be no reprimands. There'll be no resentments, revenge, or regrets in heaven. Heaven is absolute perfection. Revelation 24 gives us some insight of some things that will not be in heaven. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things have passed away. Think about it. Death is gone. Tears are gone. Crying is gone. Pain is gone. Sin is gone. Totally absent. Revelation 21, 23. The city, heaven, does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb its lamp. There'll be no need for, for the sun or the moon. Because God and the Son Jesus will provide its light. Can you just imagine that? You know that feeling that you get after you've been traveling and you've been spending the night in a hotel and you're tired and you finally come home and you drive through the driveway and you walk through your front door and you drop your luggage and kind of like Dorothy of the Wizard of Oz. Ah, oh, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. Well, multiply that by a gazillion and that's just a glimpse of what heaven will be like. But the very essence of heaven, the greatest joy in heaven we will see Jesus Christ face to face. In Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 it says, they will see his face. Can you imagine that? Seeing Jesus Christ face to face.
when John saw Jesus in Revelation 117, he says this, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. So you're not only seeing face to face, you're going to fall at his feet. But that's not all you're going to do. You're going to sing a song of worship. Go back and read Revelation chapter 5. Dwight L. Moody, one of the greatest evangelists of all time, once said this. He said, someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of Northfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it, he said. At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone higher, that is all, out of this clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that sin cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned in this glorious body. I was born in the flesh in 1837. I was born in spirit in 1856. That which is born of flesh may die. That which is born of spirit will live forever. The most important question that you can ever ask yourself about heaven is, how do I get to heaven? I want you to imagine this for me. You're planning a, a vacation of a lifetime. And you're planning on going next summer, next July. For the sake of argument, you're planning a vacation to Hawaii. What will you be doing right now? You'll be preparing. You'll be searching flights. You'll be searching hotel rooms. You'll be searching excursions. In fact, probably every single day you'll be thinking about that trip to Hawaii next summer, right? The same thing for heaven. You've got to make those same preparations. But only this way, the only way you can do it is put your faith and your trust and your hope in Jesus Christ. In James, it says that life is but a, but a vapor, a mist. Life is short. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. C.S. Lewis, one of my heroes, uses this analogy. He said that all eternity can be compared to this one long continuous line. There's no beginning and there's no ending. And on this long continuous line, there's a little dot. And that little dot represents all of human history. And inside that dot is a tiny, tiny, tiny microscopic dot that represents your life here on earth. So as you can see, this little tiny, tiny microscopic dot compared to all eternity is not very long. That's why we need to be prepared. I don't want you to get to, your, to the end of your dot and not be prepared to go to heaven. Over the summer, end of July, I was feeling some discomfort. And like all men, you don't go to the doctor. I was scheduled for an annual physical a couple weeks later, so I went ahead and waited for that annual physical. And, and so I go to the doctor, and, 
he immediately said, hey, I'm concerned. He, uh, that day, he sent me to a specialist. They ran a number of scans, and uh, honestly, I didn't think anything about it. Not a care in the world. Nothing. In fact, in August 14th, I, I won't forget this, we are, we're going to New York. Some guys on our staff, it was me and Rocky and, and Steve and David Schrode, and we're in Charlotte in the airport waiting on to board a plane. And I get a phone call. In fact, I didn't recognize the phone number, so I almost didn't, didn't answer the phone, but I did, and I, hello. And they said, hey, this is your, your doctor's office. And the scans that we did on you, we found something. And they said, where are you? And I said, I'm fixing to board a plane to New York. And they says, hey, how quickly can you get back to Columbia? And I said, I'll be back Thursday. And they said, no, we want you back today. So I rented a car, came back to Columbia. That day they ran a number of more scans and more scans. I met with, uh, they got the results back. Wednesday, I met with the surgeon. Thursday morning, I was in the hospital to remove this, this mass. Well, they removed the mass. The doctor told me then he didn't feel comfortable with what he saw. So a week goes by, and the pathology report comes back. I go to the doctor, I go to the doctor, and he said, Scott, you've got cancer. Now let me tell you something, I don't care how old you are, that's not a word you're prepared to hear. I honestly think for the first time in my entire life, it woke me up. I thought I was immortal. My son thinks I'm Superman. Things like this don't happen. So they run scan after scan after scan to see if it had spread throughout my body. And the, uh, I went and met with the doctor Thursday. And the doctor said, hey, we don't see any more cancer in your body. I think we got it all when we took that tumor out. Now, I hadn't made a decision yet, but they said, you either have going to have radiation or chemo. Choose whichever one you want. But the good news for me is this. Man. I got great news. The Lord's with me. But I thought about it probably the first time in my life. This is not it. Life on this earth is temporary. Now, I know I'm looking around this room, and, and I know a number of you have had firsthand experience with either cancer or some other illness, and, and you may have not received such great news that I got. We all know loved ones that we've lost. In fact, I know some of you right now are battling it right now. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm really not. I just want you to know that this life is not all there is. 
you need to be prepared for heaven. I want to ask you a question, and I want you to I want you to reflect on this question. I want you to think about it. I mean, I, if something happened to you today, and obviously we don't want anything to happen to anyone today, but it could happen. But if something happened to you today, would you go to heaven? And if you're thinking this, I hope so. Or if you're saying, I think so. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to bet my eternity on I think so. I'm not sure. For me, I know so. In fact, when you hear that C word, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I don't know how in the world you can make it. I have prayed with I don't know how many hundreds of people saying, hey, the Lord will never leave you. The Lord will never forsake you. I'm prepared. Are you? Don't bet eternity on I think so. I know so. You know, the world... They offer a lot of ways to get to heaven, and the world's wrong. A lot of people will say, as long as you do more, more good than bad, you're going to go to heaven. I picture a long line at the pearly gates, and, and as you're walking, you're thinking, boy, I hope I did more good than bad. I hope I did more good than bad. Every step you take, you get more nervous and nervous and nervous. You're starting to sweat. I hope I did more good than bad. A lot of people think that, hey, if I just go to church, I'll go to heaven. So you come to church every other week and mark it off your list. That's my ticket into heaven. Some people think that, hey, as long as I give to church, I serve the church, then I'm going to heaven. Hey, my parents are Christians, therefore I must be a Christian. None of that's true. What the Bible says, and it's very, very clear in John 14, 6, Jesus says this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. It's pretty simple. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I talk to a lot of people more than, than I could ever imagine that have the knowledge of Jesus Christ in their head but don't have it in their hearts. And God said, in your heart. So just because you know about Jesus Christ doesn't mean that you're a Christian. The difference is it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. So this morning, I'm going to give you the opportunity. If you're one of those that said, I think so, or I'm not sure, today is the day of salvation. All you have to do is put your faith and your trust in the one who absolutely loves you the very, very most.
It's pretty simple. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. You have to admit you're a sinner. You have to pray and repent. It means turn away. You have to believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth. He died on a cross, but he was resurrected. He died for your sins. And then you've got to give everything. And I mean everything. Put your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ. Invite him to your life. That's how you prepare for heaven. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for your presence. Father God, thank you for loving us enough that you sent the greatest gift of all, your son Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for us. And Father God, I know that in a, in a group this large, there may be people that said, I'm not sure, I don't know, I think so. And Father God, they can know so. They can know today. All they have to do is pray this simple prayer. In fact, I, you can pray it silent to yourself. We certainly don't want to embarrass anyone. Just pray this simple prayer to yourself. Father God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I know that Jesus Christ died on a cross for me. He took all the sins of the world. Died on a cross that I can be saved. God, I commit my life to you. I give you everything. I surrender my life to you. Come into my life. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible's very, very clear. It said, if you call upon the name of the Lord, that you will be saved. You've got one life to live. And Father, for me, I want to make sure I'm prepared, and then I want to take as many people as I can with me. We love you, Father.